We got a killer episode for you guys tonight. We got Bougie Billy here. He's going to be talking about his 1,300-mile trip up to Deadbeat, his Deadbeat experience, and riding 1,300 miles back in a single ride. Going to be a wild episode. But before we get into his story and a whole bunch of other good shit, we got to kick this thing off the way we always do with these motherfucking sponsors. First up. We got Chop Cult, the hub and the home of your next build threat. So swing on over to ChopCult.com and make yourself an account. Add yourself to the Brolodex. Scroll through those free classifieds. Add your own parts to those free classifieds. And check out that blog. Next up, we got ChopShit.com, run by the one and only Chicken Rick. Swing on over to ChopShit.com for hand-picked parts from builders across the world including the Low Life merch. If you want to slap a Low Life sticker on your chop to let all the local homies know that you are the local Low Life, make sure you swing over to Chop Shit and grab yourself one of those. Next up, we got Broadway Customs out there in Englewood, Colorado, putting on some killer bike nights over the summer, which is still going on. Also, these guys do it all from motorcycle fab, commercial fab, CNC plasma cutting, 3D printing, and a whole lot more. Check them out at broadway.customs.cycles on Instagram. Next, we got Lowbrow Customs. Everything you need for the road ahead since 2004. Tyler is a great dude, and Lowbrow supports events all over the country. And they got a scholarship program to teach young kids how to get into the motherfucking trades, which I love. So... Make sure you follow Lowbrow Customs on Instagram, and the next time you get to place an order, hit them up at lowbrowcustoms.com. Next up, we got Ponko. 52 years in the game is no accident. These guys got all the parts you need for your Harley-Davidson motorcycle. Frames, front ends, transmission components. We did it earlier this time. Headlights, taillights, exhaust, handlebars, a whole lot more. Check it all out under one roof at Ponko.com. That's P-A-U-G-H-C-O dot com. Next, we got the homie Wes at Custom Destruction, making some of the dopest helmets in the motherfucking game for the same price as a stock lid. You pick the liner color, the trim package, the shell color, and if you don't see something you like on the site, hit up Wes. He can do a custom liner uh, with anything you desire or any material, material that you want to send his way. So... Hit him up at customdestruction.com and grab yourself the only helmet. That makes the ugliest motherfucker look sexy. Next up, we got your boy right here in Londonderry, New Hampshire, Faro Fabrication. I am currently open for business. So if you've got a hardtail that needs welding on, gas tank modifications, repairs, you cracked your case and you need some specialty welding, I am your guy. Hit me up on Instagram at... F-E-R-R-O Fabrication and I will get you sorted out. And then last but not least we got 
the homie Loctite's Chop Shop at Black Dog Towing when that chop stops going. You got to call Black Dog Towing. All right. Before we get into this interview, I got a shout out this week. Another listener hit me up. You can shoot me a message on the Pharaoh Fabrication page. That's the, that's the account I'm usually on. You can shoot it to the podcast page, whatever you want to do. Um, but the homie Bo Rada hit me up about an event he's got going on Saturday, October 1st from 1 to 5 p.m. This is a ride-in show. Bring your chopper, van, and custom bike down. All riders will receive a free raffle ticket for free giveaways from Lowbrow Customs. This is what I mean. By the way, I did not look at this before. I had to punch this shout-out back in. And here you go. You got Lowbrow Customs having their hand in a very local event. So, as I was reading, all riders will receive a free raffle ticket for free giveaways from Lowbrow Customs, Heavy Clothing, Fast Eddie, etc. Follow at Heavy Hoggin. This is uh, Bo Rada. His handle is Heavy, H-A-W-G-N. Heavy Hoggin on Instagram to find all the rest of the info and stay informed on the event. Been following Bo Rada's page for a while. He's got uh, a similar, he's got a hardtail Evo with a uh, shovel head transmission. That 1980, I think it was four or five uh, FXWG. So super cool bike. Check that out. Check out the uh, the event he's got going on, and follow Heavy Hoggin on Instagram for the rest of the info. All right. So with no further ado, we won't keep you guys waiting too long. As you can hear, I'm running solo on this one. Has some scheduling stuff going on, but. You know we always get you those motherfucking episodes on Friday. So you're really going to enjoy this one with Eric Schultz. Uh, let's get right into it. All right, guys. We are live on the phone with Eric Schultz, a.k.a. Bougie Billy on Instagram, or as many of the people at the Deadbeat Retreat know him, Florida Man. Welcome to the show. What's going on? Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you, man. So I got to to meet you when you guys and the CT guys were all rolling up, uh, crashed here on Thursday night before deadbeat, but you had a hell of a trip before that coming all the way up from Florida to meet Davey in Virginia, right? Yes, sir. Virginia. Yeah. So we're going to be getting into your whole trip up your deadbeat experience and this wild 1300 mile in a day trip home. But before we get into that, let's give the people a little bit of background on you. What do you do for work? So I work in factories, predominantly uh, corrugated, so industry where they make cardboard boxes. And I specifically work on machinery that straps like pallets or big units of boxes. Got it. So you I, do heavy machinery like repair equipment, stuff yeah. like that? install in i'm a field service tech so i travel around and work on them and do pms and things like that how fucked up do these things get you ever show up to a place and you're like how the hell did this happen weekly oh yeah <laughs> i mean that bad? <laughs> it's well it's a lot of they just you know like everything that everybody is needing needing people to help but no one has good maintenance departments anymore um no one wants to work so we're just wide open 
24-7, it feels like. Damn, yeah. No, I relate to that. There's definitely – I work at a plant as well, and the maintenance department, it seems like, gets smaller by the day, and there's more and more shit breaking, and they're just like, well, we'll just throw that out. Yep. But that's awesome, man. So that's got you. So you're from Florida. What part of Florida? So I live in Jacksonville, Florida right now. Jacksonville, Florida. But you're not in Jacksonville as we're speaking, right? You're traveling for work? No. I travel a good bit for work right now. I'm in Tupelo, Mississippi. The home of Elvis Presley, as we discussed before the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Apparently he was born here, but didn't hang out very long. For good but reason, I very, can tell. Uh, not a very rocking town, by the sounds of it. Uh, no. And if anybody's listening from Tupelo, I'm sorry, but it's it's not that interesting of a town. Other than, other than this, I guess this week, a guy stole a plane and threatened to crash it into Walmart and a few other businesses. That's that was the excitement since Elvis was born here. Put those motherfuckers on the map, dude. That is fucking wild. So. You're out in Tupelo. How long are you there for? Uh, hopefully not much longer. <laughs> we got I got here um, Thursday, I think. I should be leaving back out Thursday and go home for the weekend. Nice. And then are you right back on the road after that, or do you get a little bit of time in Jacksonville? I typically leave on Mondays and come back on Fridays. So my week, I'm, I'm home on weekends other than, like, these big installs during holiday weekends. Oh, so you're traveling every week. Yes, every Monday I leave and come back on Fridays. I did not realize that. I thought this was just like you're on a business trip and you'll be back and then back. No, I, no I, I'm constantly on the move. Fuck, man. What's one of the, the most interesting places that you've been? Uh, the opposite of Tupelo. Hmm. I get asked this a lot. <laughs> It's it's yeah, tough just because you briefed this one beforehand before we <laughs> the mics. This is a surprise question. Well, I mean, it's tough because before I had this job, I worked in the same industry, but I flew everywhere. Right now, I just drive all over, typically the southeast. But I was going coast to coast. So, I mean, there's just so many interesting things in the country. It's kind of what you make out of it. In all honesty, gotcha. So you've been all over the country, though. Yes, uh, a lot of places. You got a favorite state besides Florida? Well, that is the greatest state in the country. And then after that, no, I wouldn't say I do. I just, wherever there's cool people, you know, I've made friends that I think the beauty of flying so much. And then with Instagram is there's so many people I've met on Instagram and then quote unquote, and then eventually with my travel, I've gotten the opportunity to meet a lot of people in person. So that's an advantage most people don't get unless they're going to like, a deadbeat or a back road barbecue or something like that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It seems like you and uh chicken Rick, I feel like gets to do a lot of that same stuff. He travels a lot for work and ends up meeting up with people wherever he's on his way to. Yes, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fun that way. Get to put a face, you know, and face to a name and get to actually hang out just uh, other than just chatting on Instagram. For sure, dude. So, all this travel, it's actually, I didn't realize you traveled that much well, but when we were actually hanging out here. How tricky is that with the with the bike situation? It seems like it'd be tricky to even get the time to ride many places. It is, um, especially with your vacation being limited, 
and I say limited, you know, I, I get the normal two weeks a year. So you have to balance it out. But basically I dedicate my weekends. I'm either fishing or on the bike. That's just pretty much how it works for me. Got it. Always been into the fishing. Yes, sir. I mean, when you go, I grew up on the beach and I'm 20 minutes from the Atlantic ocean. So fishing is just always something we do. Nice, man. You caught some gators? No, no. Shark. We catch a lot of shark, but I, I just, gators are fun. Don't get me wrong. They are fun. When we were, when I was younger is when I would typically go after gators in the lakes and ponds. But nowadays, I guess I'm a little smarter, but yeah, I can imagine much smarter. It's a little tricky going after dinosaurs like that. People don't call that fishing though, right? Or do they? Oh, we just call it chasing gators, but I mean, no, it's just gator hunting. You shoot them with a rifle or you actually do people actually like reel these fucking things in too? You you can do both. Just depends what you're trying to do. A lot of people will bait them. And then once you can get the head to pop up, you're going to try and shoot them between, between the eyes. And then some people just want to catch them for fun. That's a fucking and great. Then, and then, huh? That's no. a wild man. <laughs> no, that's just, that's just living in Florida. Same just thing. You think fun. about it. <laughs> it's, it's like catching a shark for fun. Uh, you do, we do that a lot. You know, you, you bring a big shark in and hop on top, take the hook out, get your picture and then let it back out into the water. Oh fuck, dude. I didn't know people did that either. There's a bunch of Florida <laughs> yeah. shit going on that I wasn't aware of. We got like trouts and bass up here in New Hampshire. Nobody's doing any of this stuff. Well, why don't you make a trip to bike week and then we just stop and do some shark fishing? Oh, there you go. Just for fun though, right? <laughs> just just for fun. Just for that picture, dude. <laughs> that would be fucking wild. If I I'm, you know I'll definitely be hitting you up if I'm ever down in Florida though. For sure. Where is Jacksonville? Jacksonville, like, at the bottom? No. So, uh, if you take Florida and it's like an upside-down L. Yep. Top right corner. Oh, okay. So, we're, I'm right near the Georgia line. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's, that's handy because then you get to live in Florida and enjoy all the things that go on in Florida but not have to drive six hours just to get to the next state. No, not at all. I'm I'm in across the Georgia line in 35 to 40 minutes. So. Oh, dude, you're right there. Yep. Fuck, that's awesome. That's just like us with Maine when we go up to Deadbeat from New Hampshire here. It's like you're just about 30 minutes from that line. You cross over, and there you are. Yeah, that that was it. I know you said it took what two and a half, three hours to get there from your place. I think it took us two. We do. We actually made fantastic time, probably because we didn't stop for fucking breakfast. But <laughs> it uh, it took two. I would say two and a half is is about what it took. It seemed a lot quicker, but then again, you know, I was just taking it all in because that's that's a beautiful part of the country as well. Totally different than what I see on a on a daily where I'm at. Yeah, I could definitely imagine that. And I will say, I felt exactly the same. I felt like that trip was an hour and it was two and a half and it flew by. Something about that, the one lane highway through the mountains, you just lose track of time. Yeah, no. And, and I, we didn't really run into many traffic issues either. So that was, that was pretty nice. Yeah. Just that one red light that Sam remembers. <laughs> 
<laughs> one. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I guess we could get into that later on, but yeah, me and I, I hung out with Sam the whole way coming up to your place in the back of the pack, poor guy. <laughs> oh yeah. I was, I was just shielding him from cars every time he would go down. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that was definitely, yeah, we'll get into the trip in a little bit, but Let's talk about the the bike situation. So how did you first get into bikes? And then we'll talk a little bit about what you're actually riding now. So my dad has always owned bikes. Um, you know, Yamaha V-Stars. Uh, never a Harley, though. That's that's to this day probably the funnier thing is he's never owned a Harley. So, But he's always had some kind of cruiser-type bike. And then when I was younger, had the dirt bike, worked my way up to – I think when I was 18, I got a Gixxer 1000. And so I got into the sport bike side of things, but I always said, you know, I, I loved the chopper look when I was young and always did, but I went the sport bike route for some reason. And then after that went to the Hayabusa was my next sport bike. Cause I just wanted to go as fast as I possibly could. And then something switched in my brain. I was like, you don't need to go any faster. And so I sold that one. And that's when I picked up the bike I have now, which is an 05 Sportster 1200. But several years ago, I moved to Texas for about three or four years. And when I moved, I sold it to a buddy. But when I moved back to Florida, I ended up getting the bike back from him. Oh, so wow. it's kind that's of a, wild, huh? yes, yeah, it's, it's just my first Harley got it back. So obviously for me, that's a bike I'm never going to get rid of because I hear too many people tell the story about how they got rid of their first bike and will forever regret it. Or the first Harley. And, yeah, uh, that's a good way to say that because I recently got rid of my uh, XS and I don't feel any any bad ways about it. But if I were to get rid of this first Harley, 100%, I'd be like, damn, I should have kept that Evo. And in the, in the bike is at this point, I mean, it, it has taken me up and down the whole coast of the whole East Coast from Key West to Maine. So it's it, it's been a pretty good bike for me so far. Yeah, that, that's a life for now. So actually, I'm going to backtrack for one second here, though, because yep. it's rare that we get to ask somebody this. So you had the Hayabusa and were doing the sport bike thing. What yes. made you say, like, I should buy a Harley Sportster? Um, I rode really fast, <laughs> like really fast. And <clears throat> a couple couple close calls that were were totally my fault and no. it was just that <laughs> i mean it everything was triple digit at all times on that bike oh wow. so yeah so that thing's moving is it one so it uh Hayabusa, it's a it's a 12.99 it's the 200 oh, mile an hour bike weird. i didn't even realize it was that big yeah, so it was kind of one of those things that it just hit me one day. I was like, you are, you're probably a little too reckless. Let's go ahead and change things up. So I sold that. Um, got, you know, friend of a friend was selling a Sportster, went that route, kept it stock. In fact, I didn't change anything till I got it back to, you know, the second time. And then that's when I started changing the bike up. Gotcha. And so 05, that's the first year of fuel injection, right? No, it is, I'm still running a carbureted. So maybe that's I believe the last it's, year before fuel injection. I, I believe it's the last year before fuel injection. And it's the second year of rubber mount, I think, or third. 
Did they, they went rubber mount in 03 or 04? I can't remember. Or is it 02? I get it confused. Oh, for the rubber mount? Yeah, I, that one yeah. I don't know. Oh, okay. So they the first year that Harley did fuel injection on, according to this article at least, 1995, the Electroglide was the first bike that they did fuel injection on. Wow. But so I what's, heard that most of the other ones, it was much later. Yes, and it's it's kind of interesting. I was looking at that because my roommate has an 05 Dyna and his is fuel injected. So it's, it's all based on which model that they decided to go fuel injected on and at what point. Gosh, yeah, I'd love to figure out when the sport I'm. Oh, yeah. So 2006, 2007 fuel injection replaces carburation on all models. Okay. So for the sporty, 2007. Seven. Okay. Yeah, that's fucking, that makes sense. So you're still carbureted on that stock carburetor, like the, the Harley Keen. Well, I don't even or, you say it. it's uh, the CV. See, I had, this is actually somebody wrote to us last. I should have looked this up before we started talking, but we had a whole discussion about the CVs and the hill and all that shit. And then people, right. were, the CV is just a type of carb. It's not a, a brand of carb. And then I got all out of whack about what, what I was even talking about. Well, then, then I, I'm not going to have a good answer other than it's the, it's the <laughs> stock, <laughs> it's the stock, the stock CV um, that. That's what I always call it was a CV. So, uh, but that's, a, that's about to change actually. Oh, okay. So what do you, uh, oh yeah, it's, it's a Harley Keen K E I H I N is, uh, one of the stock carbs that Harley used and it was a CV style carb. Um, so what style. do you switch to now? So, uh, when I get a chance, when I get back, I'm going to go McCooney and give it a shot and see how that works out. Um, I had it sitting there ready to go and I was actually going to throw it on before the trip and Davy Sprocket wisely talked me out of it, out of making a carb switch right before I made a 2,600 mile round trip. It's probably smart. And, uh, probably smart idea. But then, you know, sitting up there talking with Ronnie and dirty builds, you know, he's a big McCooney guy. And so he actually went over some things to look for what to do, how to set it up. And so. Probably what I'm going to try is a McCooney since I have one sitting in a box new. There you go. Now, I'm pretty sure that, uh, that that's what Rhino is running, if I remember correctly. And he's he's got the velocity stack on that one, and his bike is a ripper. Did you ever figure out what carb fish tank had? No, we didn't. But, you know, that's a good question and when we're going to solve it we might not get the answer right away but i'm going to text him right now while i'm talking because i do want to give the update on that thank you for reminding me yeah because I, I was listening last week I, I i was trying hard i even went back in all my pictures zooming in i'm like i can't tell what kind of car he has yeah that motherfucking air cleaner's too big <laughs> you gotta get that thing out of there We've got to get a different air cleaner so that we can know for sure. Okay, I just got the response. It's a CV. But as Always. we know, that's the style. I do think uh, he says CV as God intended. I love that. Uh, so I'm assuming that means it's the stock 
kind. Hmm. Because, yeah, that's interesting. I, I didn't have any troubles up there either. Yeah, he says factory only. So so whatever's on there is the factory one. And you had the factory one on there too, huh? Yeah. Yeah, dude, that is bizarre. I don't know what was going on with that one. And it also was giving my Super uh, E a little bit of trouble. So who knows? Now that, that kind of like throws a wrench in the whole thing. Because you guys had the same carb and yours had no problems. All right. And – we, I know. Well, I wasn't the only. We weren't the only sportsters, though, either, were we? No, because Dan's bike was there, and that one's got. I, it does not have a uh, an S and S on it, so that one had no problems. Rhinos has. I'm pretty sure the Makuni. He had no problems. McCoonies tend to be fucking dialed. I had McCoonies on my XS650 and I never had to touch them for anything. Put the choke, put the choke Damn. on when you start it and then take the choke off and they were just fucking perfect. They also have a super good um snapback on the throttle because it's an actual right. spring inside the carb instead of the that's the only thing about the CVs is like if you have any sort of vacuum issue it's not going to return as as sharply as like the Makuni will because the spring is just going to force it back on the Makuni. I'm sitting here zooming in on Dan's bike and it looks like uh, the stock CV as well. Talking to everybody, man, with the Keens. Yeah. Yeah, and after that comment from last week, I'm going to have to start saying Keens or Kinds. I don't even know how you say it. It's spelled super uh, weird. Keep calling it a CV. We all know what you mean. Yeah, if, if you say CV, you need to stop carb. You're going to say kinds or whatever, and everybody's going to be Googling, what's this carburetor? Oh, that's got to be some aftermarket. It's <laughs> an <Some> aftermarket. <laughs> I just want to make the conversation even more confusing and uh, answer less questions. So, yeah, hard to say, man. Hard to say what all the uh, – what all the fuss was about up on that mountain, but it sure gave us some fucking problems. That's for sure. Yeah, it did. So you got the 05 Sporty, the Burley Slammers on them, which we found out over the weekend are indeed hand adjustable. So that's kind of nice. <laughs> Only if you have a John Luke riding with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to get a big guy there to fucking twist those damn things. And you were saying though, that it, that it, they come from the factory set to where Dan had them on his, right? I, I believe that's how mine were set. Cause I don't, mine are adjusted all the way down and I don't ever remember having to adjust them one bit. Um, and judging the way he, John was having issues or <laughs> we all had issues trying to get those adjusted. I, I would have remembered having to adjust them. Yeah. Or you remember owning the wrench, right? One or the other. Right, right, right. And I definitely never seen, I've never seen anybody adjust one. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> everybody, whatever it comes out of the box, you plug it onto the bike and you're like, that's fine. I'm going to leave that alone. Nobody wants to yeah. deal with taking it back off. So no, no. She, uh, let's get into your ride up to Davies. I think that's a good spot because now we know what you're riding. we got some details on the bike itself. So take us through the morning of you heading out. 
I went to work that morning. Uh, I believe it was the Tuesday. Yeah, that was Tuesday. And got off about noon. And I told Davey, I said, I'm going to rip, try and get there at a decent time. I forget the mileage, but I left right up noon and I pulled into his place about 1130. So just shy of 12 hours on Tuesday to get to him. Um, wow, dude. That is pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've been doing that a lot more lately. So, yeah, it's, it's, it was right around, I want to say it was right around six hours. I mean, six hours, 600 miles. Damn. Um, 600 to 700. Um, a little slower going up through the mountains where, I, where he's crossing in from North Carolina to Virginia there. It wasn't a bad ride other than getting completely soaked. And you know how it is. You get, you get soaked and then, especially if it's your boots, you're done. You know, you, you start getting cold and then I'm, I'm not quite built for cold weather. So it started cooling down and that, that became a miserable ride fast. Oh, that's but, a good point. Uh, I forgot that uh, all of this might be abrasive coming from Florida, but you do travel. So like, you know what these other cold temperatures feel like more than like someone who never leaves Florida. Doesn't mean I enjoy it yeah. <laughs> at all. You were born in Florida though, right? <laughs> Yes, yes. I was born and yeah. raised in Florida. So raised in so, the form and then taken out of it definitely feels harder. Yeah, especially on a bike. Uh, and so I, I think I pulled into Davies about, like I said, it was around midnight. When we got there, chopped it up with him, started drinking, started talking shit with Wigwam Motors online back and forth because we found out he was coming. So it was, it became quite an entertaining night. And uh, oh, I bet you guys getting into the fucking spear tent discussions. <laughs> <laughs> oh well that's that's when i found out about the spear tent so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a, oh boy spear tent I, something I, you got for all the listeners you had to be there for it that's uh yeah you had to be there i don't think it's go i don't think that one's going away anytime soon either no that, that'll be around for a minute <laughs> yeah so i we hung out there for a while dried out i think we got an hour or two of sleep and then uh tater came over the next morning and you know Davy's wife made us breakfast. We all hit the road, and I don't think how far we went. We went to Pennsylvania. Um, funny, Davy had put out a thing on Instagram, I believe, and he was like, "Hey, we're we're going this direction. We need to crash somewhere." And shout out to—I want to get his Instagram right. Yeah, take your time. Pull up what you got to pull up there. Yeah, well, I mean, he he put us up. He had never met any of us, and. Uh, Where's he at? Cody the Dangler. Yeah, shout out to Cody the Dangler. He hits up Davey and goes, hey, I got 15 acres here in Pennsylvania. Y'all can come throw a tent, do whatever. So we go up. I don't remember where we're at in Pennsylvania. Go to his place. Beautiful place up on the side of mountain. Takes us out. We go hit some bars, go riding. Of course, he's one of the Dyna guys. We didn't hold it against him or anything, but um, – <laughs> You know, it was, it was it was a quite interesting trip just getting to Pennsylvania dealing with Davy's bike because that was the first time he had taken it that far. So, right at this, this point, build for Davy. Yeah, yeah, this was. The, I think he told me he had only taken it like twenty or thirty minutes away. <laughs> we wow. and we went about we went about five or six hours. We were having to slow down, let his bike cool off, you know that kind of that kind of deal and. uh 
pretty, pretty simple ride. I mean, it was, we've caught beautiful weather, went to Pennsylvania, got ate up by the bugs up there, spent the night. Um, was he having that, issues with the bike? Like where you, he would have to pull over. Yeah. His oil tank was heating way up. Every, his whole, everything was heating up. So we would, we were stopping. Well, when we would stop for gas, it, it would turn into a 30, 40 minute stop and just let, let his bike cool down. Really? I wonder what's up with that. Is he running a, a an unusual oil tank? No, I think he just has a regular horseshoe. Damn. Yeah, that's which another reason I don't think he went on the ride with us was because he was, you know, he was a little worried about limping it back. Yeah, hundred percent. I went on that ride feeling A1, can't wait to get this bike out on the road to like hold it. I wonder <laughs> if I'll even get two hours back. <laughs> yeah that, that was that was a fun ride still about how quick shit can change huh oh did it and it did it change quick <laughs> dude on One a person. dime that yeah we'll get into that later but that was a fucking i <laughs> can't still can't yeah. believe that one yeah so we we did you know we went went to pennsylvania that was wednesday night had a good time there got up we're like all right we're gonna hit the road and when was it I think we had bike trouble with his at this time my bike didn't give me any issues thankfully because i there was there was definitely con- some concerns with mine because i have a electric or i had an electrical issue that had popped up when i went to back road barbecue of all places and basically riding down the road the bike will just completely shut off you lose all power the only way to get it back and so when i and this is when i was riding at night and so i'm running up 95 in south carolina hitting what feels like rumble strips and all of a sudden boom power's gone and what i do is i reach down kill the key turn the ignition back on boom power back up and what i end up finding out was that i had a loose negative and apparently it's real 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 common with these 40s because there's no room behind where your battery is and i don't know if you've ever looked at those sports but that negative wire is absolutely zero room like they don't it's a it's a very horrible design so i had put that negative gotten a new negative cable and actually loctited it in which i know some people out there go oh don't loctite it but i was like i'm not i'm not dealing with this power issue yeah, fuck them if it works right <laughs> <laughs> right I, I don't care so it worked but right before i left i decided to put on the battery tender with the usb port so I could charge my phone because I kind of needed maps for this ride. Right. So I had to take everything back off and then put it all back on. And it was, I mean, it is a challenge. So I was really concerned about the bike dying due to me hastily throwing everything back together the night before I took off. Cause that's the only time you make adjustments to your bike. Oh, like the night. I mean, it's, it rides better that way. As is tradition. Yes. <laughs> so, so, that was my concern, and it, it didn't pop up right away. But of course, it would pop up eventually. And, and so we left Pennsylvania. Hard to get a wrench on on the bolt where it connects, or is it just because the wire doesn't have enough room to sit comfortably in there? So you actually have to both. Um, you have to slide it all the way out to get to the negative post. Oh, and okay. so you you got to have enough. Uh, negative cable to get yourself out but then if you have too much it doesn't want to slide back in right because it's thicker gauge on the cable right 
All right. I ended. I actually ended up making my own um, negative cable just to get get the size that I needed to where it was not too long and not too short with it. Fuck. Yeah, I didn't never didn't realize there was such a so much to do about the negative cable on these things. Yeah, it's 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 horrible. I'd, another reason that if you were to actually chop it, then you could put your battery elsewhere and make it easily accessible. That that in itself would be worth it out of everything else. It, you know, I isn't it super accessible on some of the sporties? It like sits right on the side of the bike, like right out in the open. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Some are very easy. But not but on not the not the O four and O fives. It's it's it sucks. What is it? In fact, like you can't. What's that? Where is it on yours? Is it in a horseshoe? No. So you um, I'm trying to think. Your left side, you have yeah. that cover that always comes off that that breaks off of everybody's the little yeah. chrome or black cover. <laughs> um. So then you have your little fuse box, and it's right there and slides all the way in. Oh, okay. So it goes right under the seat, like not just sitting sideways against it. Yeah. And, and the way you sit on it, you can't access the top of it because the way your ECM is all set up under your seat. Wow, dude. What a fucking nightmare, huh? No, no it's horrible. Especially, especially running down 95 at night, heading, to, <laughs> heading somewhere on the interstate and you lose complete power all your lights and you're surrounded by semis dude that is some terrifying shit actually I, even when we were up at deadbeat when we were coming back from some of uh i went with frenchy to get that kickstand thing and i was just wondering like dude if i blew a headlight fuse right now i'm dead on these like back roads with zero light and zero street lights zero yeah I, you know i had put that uh i'm gonna butcher the name is it rns or airness or like you know the triangle one Arlenes. I put one of those on and uh, about a month ago, I'd ran up to Tennessee and went and rode the tail of the drag and then all up to the Blue Ridge, did a bunch of stuff up there. And I got stuck in a rainstorm because it's always supposed to rain if you ride more than two hours away from your house. And I couldn't see a thing. I mean, I was complete. I was on a back road in the middle of the mountains in Tennessee I was like, I'm done. I can't do this. I went and got an LED light, but I believe, I think that's the H4. Yep. That's what those lights are. Yeah. Horrible. I mean, I know it's, it looks cool, but it is the most impractical light you can run on a bike. That's why everybody runs doubles and they still, I don't see how they're seeing at night in non-lit areas. You're saying because it, it like, it looks cool, but it doesn't throw. It doesn't throw anything. And I didn't notice it at first because like riding around Jacksonville around town, everything's well lit, but you get out in some back mountain road that you don't know, you're completely fucked. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good to know because I've actually looked at those LEDs and thought like, well, maybe I'll throw one of those because I have that little triangle headlight. I'm like, maybe I should throw LED in this thing. Maybe I won't. <laughs> it's no, so like I, not the move. Eh, I ended up getting on Amazon and found a $20 headlight that looks pretty good and, and it, it launches some light. So I'm, I was happy with that, especially for this trip. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. So I can't believe I forgot to ask you this, but what did you pack for the trip? Uh, obviously a few clothes, some cigars, 
That's a little lot. shitty bag of tools. <laughs> shitty bag of tools because you got it. Lots of zip ties. Yep. Um, I mean, it, zip ties, electrical tape, wire nuts. Because I just, you never know what's going to come loose. Because a headlight I threw on like two days before the trip as well, and then um, I hammock tent. You know, I go hammock over tent. So that's that's pretty much all I threw on. There you go, man. Just the essentials. Yeah, and, and that and a blanket. I mean, when you're riding long, the key is how you set your pack up. That's that's probably the most crucial thing is how in the world you set your pack up to make your, your life a little more comfortable. As far as leaning on it or as far as accessing yeah. out of it? Both. Because if you need – you want to be able to set your pack up so you can lean back and be relaxed. But at the same time, if you need to get to something without undoing the entire pack, you, you got to think about it. So fortunately, I'm – Made I made several long trips this year, so I, I've pretty much got it down to a science how I pack my stuff. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I really need to uh I need to get a different pack. I'm realizing that I have a duffel bag and it's great for leaning back on, but probably the worst thing because it's a duffel bag. So once you've got straps around it, you're not getting into it. And then you can't get anything out when you stop. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, what I use a pack you running. Uh, the, what kind of bag is that? That's the Bitwell. I'd have no, no, not the. I'd have to look it up and send it to you. Um, it's a it's a round style bag, which is a lot different. Uh, I want to say it's by Bitwell. It's that roll top one, right? That black vinyl. Yep. With- yep. Where you can you basically shove everything down, and then you can roll it back depending on how much stuff you have in your bag. Dude, that's the move. I'm I'm going to roll top going forward because then you have it strapped around, you know, the like the waist of the pack, but then you can right. still undo the top and grab things out of it without taking the straps off. That's how I fucked myself with the duffel. Got one. There's a Yeah. I've seen some of the guys that are running. Uh, I know Davey ran one. There's a few other guys running them the bag that has actually the tool pouch in the front. And that was pretty slick. I don't know how, you know, how well they liked it, but um, you actually had it unzipped and you had a full like tool roll out right there. And that was pretty slick. Yeah. Now that one, Loctite has that one too. That's the Portwell's uh, X-Fill 80 um, has that tool roll in the front. And it's definitely, that's like the long haul pack of choice for sure but it definitely is it's big for anything other than like something you, like what you did like if you're going far in long trip definitely a good bag for it but it's it's big enough that you probably wouldn't bring it like if you were just going to your buddy's place or whatever right right yeah no the bag the bag i run i only run if i'm going long distance i definitely don't run it for like a two-hour type trip or something like that yeah, it's tricky to find the the middle <laughs> something that you would like be inclined to have on there most of the time. Yeah, well, and it's and I end up adding more things on my trip, so it's we, we talk about being prepared. And I had a you know a hoodie and a few other things, but when I got wet and got to Virginia and was just freezing my ass off. Next morning, I'm like, I can't do this. This is going to be worse. And it ends up that was the coldest I was going to get my whole trip, which is kind of funny because I went all going all the way to Maine. But we ended up stopping in Virginia or West Virginia. I ended up buying a Carhartt jacket 
uh, that brown one actually that I ended up throwing on because it was I was like I, I can't do this I gotta have more layers I'm, I'm too thin blooded for it right right yeah I remember you were wearing that Carhartt jacket when we were making our way up to Deadbeat yeah that's I, I picked that up on the way up because I was like this one hoodie and one long sleeve isn't gonna cut it for me now <laughs> yeah dude that's definitely but coming from your area it's probably like oh yeah no big deal oh I won't I won't use that Carhartt again until I leave the state for something else (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah no need dude so that was you got soaked the whole way on the way to davies you were saying oh no it was only like an hour but and it was toward the end of the day so not enough sun to dry you out and the boots stayed the boots are what stayed soaking wet so that's where it got me yeah dude the, the boots getting soaked is I, I had that last year. Actually, I was following Davey home to my place because uh, he was stopping in to grab some stuff he had left before Deadbeat. And I remember just like every time I hit the brakes, the water would go up to my toes and then you accelerate and it would go back to your heels. And you're like, OK, these are destroyed. You know, and, and I did. It's one of those things, too, where you look ahead, you see the rain. I pull over. I'm like, I should, I should put rain gear on, pull out the, pull out my phone thinking I'm going to trust the weatherman real quick. And I look at the radar map and I'm like, there's nothing on the radar. And I see this tiny blip. I'm like, Oh, I'm good. Nothing. I was like, I don't even want to take the time to pack the rain gear. An hour later. So to the bone, I'm sitting here regretting every second of that, that the, cause I did bring rain gear just for the distance I was going, but I didn't oh, put it on. <laughs> Yeah, and then you're already rolling, so you're like, "Well, fuck it now." Yeah. Once you're soaked, you don't. What does it really? All you want keeping there is the stinging of the. Depending on how fast you're moving, other than that, it's like, "Fuck it, I'll just stay wet." Right. No, that's true, man. It's definitely. Once it happens, it happens. But so you make you make it to Davies, you get past Davies, and then you guys after PA. You're on your way up to go meet the CT guys, right? Yeah, so we rolled on up there, uh, rolled in the Dirty Builds new place. I say we probably hung out there a good, I don't know. We were there for a good little while. Um, just everybody relaxing. They ended up bringing Davey's bike in because he, <clears throat> that's what it was. He ended up having a carb issue and not really sure what it was. I think it was maybe something in the carb or dirty fuel or something ended up flushing it out and he his bike ended up being fine there but uh ronnie ended up going through his card for a little bit there and making sure everything was good and then grabbed some lunch and then that's when we began our journey toward your place nice that's, how was uh how was that journey well so it was uh me davy tater nick and of course, Sam, shovel, uh, shovel Sam there. And <laughs> that's, that's where it got fun because it was wall to wall traffic coming out of CT. And so we're trying to split lanes, jump the sidewall, you know, jump up on the curb and run. We're trying everything we can because poor Sam's shovel is just, I mean, you, you know, how it is. It's, a, it's a good, it's a good bike, but boys, he got issues with it. So it was oh, a constant, yeah. everybody running, you got 
Nick on the Dyna hauling ass, Davey staying with him, and then I'm back here trying to block traffic for when Sam goes down or can't get it back in gear or whatever happens. So right. it was it, <laughs> it was a process, needless to say, to get there. It was fun, though. A lot of fun. Um, a lot of traffic, though. Man, traffic sucked getting to your place. Yeah, because you guys, CT does get a good bit of traffic on the way through there. And we were coming up probably at the worst possible time. I mean, it was between like three and six when we were trying to leave out of there. So it was, we were, we're getting the brunt of that rush hour, but yeah, yeah we not an ideal time to be <laughs> heading up this. No, way. no, no. And I mean, fortunately we didn't, I mean, breakdowns or nothing. I think we had to stop and get a quarter or two of oil for Sam. And then other than that, we made it to your place. It was, I wouldn't say too eventful, but definitely a interesting process when, Poor Sam can't find first or second. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got a tricky that foot clutch that he's got on there is not super easy to operate. Um he it's it's that he's got that prism supply one on there, which I guess he right. he had some didn't really bolt on the way I did. I watched some of the YouTube videos on that, and it's like, oh yeah, you put these four bolts in, shit's fucking good to go, clears all the stock components. I guess it does not clear all the stock components. Uh he had, he had quite a bit of trouble getting it on, just getting it on there. And also not standing on much of a peg the way it's set up right now. No, no. And then you have to space that one out a good bit more. He did. Just he had to space the actual uh, pedal out because it was hitting that um, alternator cover, the same alternator cover that like everybody runs. Uh, right. It was hitting that. And which is surprising because so many people run that part. You'd think it would be like, if it didn't clear that part, somebody would know about it or somebody would say something. So I'm going to be, I'm going to fucking say something. If you're planning on getting that slingshot clutch control and you have an alternator cover, you're going to have to shim it because it does not fit. So he did shim it out, but it's a, it's a, that, that slingshot thing, man, that's a tiny control and a tiny peg that it sits on. So it's definitely coming from my world, at least where I'm on a floorboard and I have like, a four inch peg as my, as my push pedal is, it was weird as fuck. I sat on it and I was like, dude, how are you doing this thing? Yeah. And I don't think he's too happy with that, that particular clutch setup. Um, <laughs> judging yeah. by the amount he was cursed, cussing at it as we would ride. But then again, I don't know how you would ride on floorboards. Cause I've never rode floorboards. That to me, is just a, a foreign concept of riding on floorboards. Comfortably. That's how definitely that's what, you, that's what everybody says but i'm like oh i don't know i, I just yeah you just throw your foot up on there and, and you the way it is especially with the foot clutch i always tell people like consider the floorboard because it's just like a car you got your heel on the floor yeah. and you got your foot on the pedal and you just press the pedal I'm, you got a nice pivot point with your heel and then you know when your foot gets all the way down onto the when your toe comes all the way down and hits the floorboard too that's as far as you're going to travel. So you know you're all the way in. I would want to have my bike lowered a little more. I went eight over on the front. Yeah. So the front end sits way up and I'm not the tallest guy. And as it stands now, I'm I'm not even remotely close to flat footed. So a foot clutch would be really, really tricky for me at this point. Oh, yeah, dude. That would definitely – if. If the bike isn't, because you've seen mine, mine's low yep. and flat. 
And if it wasn't, the foot clutch would definitely get squirrely. Because yeah. you're unbalanced enough, just just managing it that like if the bike is also unbalanced, it's you don't want to have both. Right, right. And I and I don't run a front brake either, so it it would be just completely. I think I would fall over a lot. Or heavy chaos. Yeah. 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 I don't need more people laughing at me. <laughs> I'll take whoever's doing it already and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, you guys made it here. You guys rolled in around like probably between six and seven, I think. Right. Yeah. So it was, it was, when well, I was quite dark, but we were working on it. Yeah, it was getting there. And so we got to kick it here for the night, have some burgers, dogs, and let everybody chill around the campfire. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was a lot of fun. That was probably the last peaceful night of the, uh, <laughs> until everybody made it back home. Oh yeah. Especially for you. Cause then it would be an all out haul, which we'll get to in a minute here. But so we rolled out of here in the morning. We made it up there. Like we said, about two and a half hour trip, nothing happened right. like no, uh, other than right before we got there. But outside of that, very smooth. Right. Yeah, no, that was it was very smooth. Probably why, but probably why you thought we were going to be okay when we went and rode the Kank. Yeah, because yeah, it I was, was such a smooth that. ride. That wasn't nothing happening. But that that was fun. You know, we stopped. Of course, everybody made fun of me for getting my main picture, but uh, that's pretty cool for me to be able to. I went to Key West earlier this year, so I got a picture with Mile Zero down in Key West, and then the pull one from Maine in the same year was was really awesome for me. Fuck yeah, dude. Super cool. Yeah, we were happy to, to stop for it. It definitely, that's a big milestone. Yeah. And then when we rolled in and the uh, the hotshot crew that had went out in front of us, I know you told the story last week, but I'll give my side of how it went down. So we're, we're rolling through Freiburg and all of a sudden, or however, it's Freiburg, right? Yep, Freiburg. So we're rolling and all of a sudden, I'm in the back again with Sam. And to my right, just rev limiter, the first of many. And I look over, and it's part of the, the crew that was sent out ahead to save that campsite. I'm like, where did these guys come from? Like, they're supposed to be there. And next thing you know, they're whipping around. So as we're making our way, we go to pass that one car. Now, if you remember, everybody passed on the shoulder. There was one particular car, except I'm the last one in the line of guys. What y'all don't know is she decided to turn in to the right. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I'm trying to, I'm, I got Sam in front of me. He shoots around. I go and I see her start to cut right. I end up cutting left around her. Don't make it, I don't know, two, 300 yards. And, you know, you get that instinct that says, hey, turn around. And I don't know what it was. I just turned around and there is blue lights on my ass, like jammed on my ass. Like, I'm like, where the fuck did he just come from? Right up my ass. So I'm pulling over and everybody else is now way ahead because I had a Dodge granny who was trying to take me out. So right. <laughs> I, I jump off the road. And, and what's, what's scary is there, where I where I had to stop, there was no, like, pull-off. It wasn't a driveway. It was just, boom, right there. 
I see everybody else hitting the curve. And by the time they hit the curve, that cop had hauled ass caught up and was literally just pushing every one of them off the road. I mean, it was, that was one of the wilder things I've seen with a cop dude and not, and not pull you over at the same time. Right. Just blow, just force you off the road and then just, Oh, anyways, see ya. Yeah. Just completely runs all those guys off the road. And then we all catch up, go, what the hell? Someone thought he said, hold tight. Of course, no one was holding tight. And we don't think that's what he said, but they say that's when we all got into the campground as quickly as possible. Yeah. Cause fuck that at that point, man. That was definitely, that was the right move to just get the fuck yeah. out of there. <laughs> and that was a good start to deadbeat. Dude, seriously. What a wild way to pull in there. <laughs> and, and we all, I feel like stopping for that main picture is the only reason we saw those people in the first place. Oh, we would, we would have beat everybody there. Yeah. Right, because if you yeah, figure out how long we took and we were kind of just chilling for a little, talking, that that yeah. would, that's the amount of time that that would have taken to ride that road and be pulled in. Yeah, that was <laughs> it was entertaining to say the least. Yeah, but it wouldn't have been the same any other way, dude. I'm glad, and and honestly, it, it didn't hurt anybody. Everybody was fine. Yeah, for sure. No, and and, and you know, obviously, we know how it turned out, and we were no one was cited for a thing. Exactly, dude. I still can't believe though that he did not pull in behind me when I was just I stopped to wait for you guys at that that person's driveway and he come flying around that corner and went right past and I'm like, wow. Well, I'm pretty sure he wasn't after us. <laughs> yeah, he was definitely he had some people. It was it was after other other people. Other folks. <laughs> so yeah, so we get to uh to deadbeat. We get all set up and kind of take us through your weekend. What was it like your first uh, deadbeat retreat? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We get in there. I think everybody knew the rain was coming that day. So we, everyone sat pretty much set up pretty quick. Um, Cause I remember we, I looked at the radar and it was nasty. I know it didn't get as bad, but it was predicting hail. It was purple and, and coming right at us. So everybody kind of got set up fast. Started knocking back, you know, grass-fed one beers, and the grass-fed beers. That's it, dude. <laughs> started doing that, and it was, you know, that's and then the rain started, and then that's when the mini bike started, and then I, th- I believe you. That's when you went ahead and cooked dinner, um, at at some point there, and it we, I remember I ate dinner, had I don't know, eight or nine, ten beers, and then I went and took a nap. It just hit me. I was like, man, I'm fucking tired. I'm going to lay down, lay down for an hour or two, woke up. And then it was, that's when, that's when the night really got cranked up, kind of went and saw what was going around there. And I, you know, I've, I've never been to deadbeat, but I have been to these type of camp out type events. And so made my way up to the front section where, where the burnouts and all those kind of things are going on. And yeah, that's, that's a wild time up there. You know, it's, Seeing it's probably one of the first times I've ever or first times I've been somewhere in like a uh, in a camp out setting where people are had brought, you know, stacks and stacks and stacks of 
tires to rotate because they were going to go through them so fast. I, I, I remember hearing a guy go, how many more tires we got to blow up out here? I'm like, what the fuck? Who has stacks of tires to just blow? Dude, I didn't even hear about that. Yeah, that's fucking Jesus Christ. My dog's being a fucking maniac over here. I did not see any of that shit going down. So they had, they would, they just had like a whole trailer full of these fucking tires. I, I don't know if it was a trailer because it was all by that where the bonfire was and where the burnout pit was going. But I know for sure they were going, they would blow a tire, wheel it over to somebody's setup, and cha- they were changing tires. Oh, shit. <laughs> I had two dinas that were already blown up sitting on just rims. I saw a picture of that. Yeah, it was probably toward the end when they had blown them all up. No, dude, this was but, at yeah. noon. This was at noon. Oh, I, actually, this is probably Saturday, I think, though. Lockdown said he had gone over there while we were on the kank ride, and people already had blown up the wheels on their dinas. But I'm, uh, based on how things were going Friday night, that's not surprising. But, yes, yeah, so they, were, they were literally rotating out tires on dinas, which was just fucking crazy. And, you know, that was just a fun night. Uh, a lot of a lot of grass-fed beers and just kind of wandering around, even eventually left there, met up with uh, Connor there, Wigwam. We ended up – I don't even know where we all hang up. That's, that's one of the nights where it starts getting a little blurrier. Yeah. And uh, it was – but knowing what I was planning on making this trip, I said Friday night's the night. Like, I got to – if I'm – if you're going to – if you're going to throw down, you got to throw down Friday. Don't do it on Saturday because – I wanted to at least try and catch a little bit of sleep before I attempted the ride back home. Oh, of course. I think that's smart to get it done the first night. Yeah. And then, you know, when I went to back road barbecue this year, same thing, it's an eight, eight and a half hour ride home. So it just makes more sense that you go crazy on Friday night and then chill out Saturday and work your way back home on Sunday. So Friday was one of those nights that it just got a little blurrier as the night went on. And then, uh, you know, ended up at another bonfire. So down past where we were was like a whole camp out with no bikes. I don't know if you heard about people talk about that. There's like an RV, some fans and not a damn bike around, which was I don't know, kind of odd to me. But uh just straight bonfire, lots of people. And that, that, that area was getting quite interesting to say the least. It was getting wild over there. Oh, it was, it was, yeah. Yeah. It was one of those things you pull up and you're like, damn, I'm not even drunk enough for this. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I'm going back to our camp. That's this, this, this just got above my level. So, damn, that's why, where was that? So if not toward the, camp the main campground if you just kept on going past where we all were oh yeah yeah yeah. down the river yeah yeah follow that back around and there was a whole like non-motorcycle camping spot going on but everyone was there there's probably 60 70 people around that campfire fuck dude yeah, i think it, it was, just kind of opens up into that next area right like there's a big clearing yeah yep yeah, so that's where the last year's bonfire for Deadbeat was because last year we were like two miles down that road, if you can believe it. Instead of where we were this year, we were about two miles down that dirt road, uh, past that clearing with that bonfire you're talking about, another 
same distance back. Um, so deadbeat was super spread out. A lot of people were saying, like we were saying, this year is what we were hoping it was going to be because it's last year it was just hard to find anybody. Everybody was so fucking deep back in there. This year was much better, but I didn't even realize they were doing a fire down that way. Yeah. Well, by the time I went to this one, I would say most people and your where y'all were camping out were already in for the night. This was this was like I don't think I got back to my hammock till three or four in the morning. So, you know, it was oh, it, was, it was a not yeah, it was a nice long night right there. I and me and Connor ended up just walking around and it was you know, there's other people there. I don't I don't remember who they are at that point. But uh made it back, eventually got back to it. And then you know what's what's really cool though is how we, like, you know, you mentioned before how everybody got set up. We were pretty much everybody that knew somebody was in that little area where we were all at. So you could go, you could go out and get buck wild if you want. And then you could stumble back in and it's nice and calm and peaceful where we were all sleeping. Dude, that's what we were. That's what we were saying. It's just so nice to have both, you know, you could go get wild, but you have to set up your tent in our area because then you've got a reason to get away from it you're not like stuck in it right right and it and it kind of worked out where you were set up and then where um dirty build set up theirs and a bunch of us were kind of in the middle it just sort of locked everything out so that was nice and then the, the guys that ended up being there uh who were the i remember we were talking about them that um I don't remember the guy's name. They were sitting right next to me. One with the blue shovel, uh, Parker and Ray. Yeah, they were right next to. They are set up right next to me. Ended up being super cool guys. We were hanging out with them a good bit, and uh, yeah, so that was that was night one, and I think night two or day two ended up getting up, just kind of taking it easy in the morning, and that's when we went out on our tank ride. Yeah, and that was a fucking adventure, huh? Yeah, yeah, no, that was I was fun. I think it just I was in the back, and so it was always something. Someone was breaking, and you know, start out with you know Connor on Dan's bike with the, the damn throttle cable. That's was riding like a madman with throttle cable in one hand, swinging it out. He was whipping it around like he was riding a horse, and it was just fucking crazy. <laughs> oh, that's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, and we were just thinking to ourselves, like, wow, dude, this is going so smooth. What a great ride this has been. And then we turn around, half the pack's fucking gone. But, I, you know, I think that ended up making that ride a lot more memorable and fun, though. Just everybody, just everything we all had to go to and then ending up at that brewery, you know, that was that was a, a good time. I think everybody really enjoyed it, though, despite multiple, multiple breakdowns there. Yeah, definitely ended up at the brewery was like a, a a moment for us to all then come back together and be like, dude, we fucking made it here. That's pretty wild. <laughs> yep. And then and I don't know, you realize that Parker's um clutch had broke. Parker's uh you talking about when we first walked in and I had to run back. Oh, it, it it broke again. So like multiple times so you know when we stopped in front of like that little it was a rest area but that pull off going back where the park was when you realized that your exhaust had snapped or broken yeah. right there yep so we all started to take off again 
his clutch lever had was already broke. He had just bought that bike like two or three weeks prior to the deadbeat. And it was like held together by some wires and zip ties. So we had to rewire. Yeah. Oh yeah. So we had to rewire it and zip tie it all back up. That was the second time on that trip. He had to do that on the Kank ride. Fuck dude. I didn't even hear anything about his clutch breaking. Yeah. That clutch lever was gone. Or it, it was all stripped out, so he was like holding it together and all. Yeah, it was. It was. He was back there in the back of the pack. So we'd pull over and sit there and zip tie it. He was quick though. The kid was like a damn pit crew, zip tying his damn clutch lever back up. Damn, that's wild, dude. He didn't say a word about any of that, so he just trying trying to fucking solve problems under the radar. Well, I guess he had done it on a way up and he had realized that was the easiest way to fix it. And he didn't really have any other options. So he just manned up and do it. That's it. Nothing else to do, right? <laughs> yeah. Nothing to talk about. He could fix it. That's fucking awesome though. Yeah. So he must've got that back on the road real quick then. Yeah. Yeah. We were, but like I said, that was the second time it had happened on that trip. The other time was when it happened right around the time we had some of the major stoppage so it worked out well. Yeah, dude, that's definitely such a good ride. And everybody seemed like they were having a good time. And just so many capable people all in one fucking group, you know, fixing everything right. that could come up. Yeah, it, it kind of got to that point where you felt like, well, it don't matter what breaks, we're going to fix it. So it didn't really matter. You know, it, it was fun for sure. Yeah, after fixing Dan's, I was like, there's nothing else that could happen that's worse than this. No, not at all. Uh, complete rear end removal, rebuild. Yeah. And back. <laughs> back together. <laughs> and rode it out, rode it further from camp. You know what I mean? Like after right. breakdown, <laughs> continued to ride away from home. Yeah, that's that was wild. That was, it was it was a good time though. That was that was definitely worth it. You know, it's everyone was like, "You're gonna ride? Fuck yeah, I'm gonna ride up here." I mean, it's yes, camp's fun, and I the way I view it though is, I can go see burnouts anywhere, but you can't go ride the kink every day. At least I can't. So definitely well worth the ride for me. That's a great way to look at it, man. Because it definitely, I feel like for somebody who's not from this area, that's a beautiful part to see. Yeah, for sure. That was definitely a good view the whole time. No issues with your bike, the whole kank ride, too, dude. You were fucking smooth sailing. Yeah, yeah. It, it tricked me into thinking we were good. You're right. So <laughs> I don't want to jump ahead too much here, but is it is this a good time to start getting into your ride back, or is there more from the actual trip that we didn't talk I mean about? Yeah, I mean, the only thing would be, uh, you know, that, that last night was, you know, it was a good time. We are doing, they end up burning the boat out there. I ended up sticking around with, um, forget who I was with. Somebody was up there with me. I ended up hanging around just to see them push that sailboat into the, into the fire. Um, probably the most uneventful thing. I, or his, <laughs> it was the, all the anticipation. And then it was just, it was so, it was fat eventually caught fire we're like we're not sticking around to watch this thing try and catch fire so we left but uh that asshole in our area who kept revving all night 
God. <laughs> I locked, I talked about it last week, but oh my God, I tried to go to bed. I think around midnight or so is when I told everybody bye. And then some, I know who it was too. There was a person in our general area, like across the path. Yep. That was just hammering. Screaming, wake, wake up. I'm telling you, I was ready. I, I was ready to go fight. It was, and I don't fight, but I was like, this guy is, I mean, cause it was just, it was willfully trying to be an asshole. And, uh, and if you're listening, cause there's a chance he is, you're an asshole, but yeah, yeah, that was hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know who it was too. That's the worst part is it, it, he seemed cool the whole entire time, but man, so I ended up getting about two hours of sleep Saturday night. Fuck, dude, that sucks. Yeah, yeah, that's, I think that's what was pissing me off more was like, I knew what I was going to try and do. You know, I, I came with, I pre planned the idea of making the full ride back. And then you got somebody who not only is hitting the rev limiter, but is screaming, wake up after he would come off the rev limiter. And that's when, ah, uh, such a fucking asshole. Yeah. Not what we fucking need at these events. We got enough craziness without fucking being a dick just to be a dick. Right. right. Or just do it by the bonfire. That's all you had to do. Just go to the bonfire. Yeah. After we shut the mics off, you could tell me who this was. So just so I know. Yep. So you get two hours of sleep. Yeah. How are you feeling <laughs> on Sunday when you wake up? I wasn't hungover because I, I purposely did that. Um, like I'm about to be a dumbass. <laughs> That's how I was feeling. I was like, this, this is about to be the dumbest thing I've ever done. But, you know, I, I had psyched myself up for a while leading up to this, that this, it made the most sense for me to make, try and attempt the iron butt back. Uh, I think they call it the bun burner. If you want to get technical, the thousand miles in 24 hours. No, it's iron butt. And so, Got it. And, and so I was like, you know, just, and, and I told people, it's kind of one of those things. Once you tell people you're going to do something, you can't, you can't go back on it now. You can't be like, oh man, somebody at deadbeat kept me up. So I couldn't want to ride it back. I mean, that's just a bitch move. So I'm like, huh? you said you're going to do it. Fucking get on your bike and do it. That's what we did. Fuck yeah, dude. So what time did you actually roll out? It was right about. 8 20 8 30 in the morning um i packed everything up went around said my goodbyes to everybody and then uh that's when that's when the journey begins so tell me this when you're rolling out and you're starting that bike up are you thinking to yourself 100 i'm doing this or are you thinking like let's see how the day goes at that point I was, let's see how the day goes. Okay. Um, and, and the main reason I was worried, because I, I had one little caveat, which was what traffic was going to do. Because, uh, and, and which way my, I took my route was going to, you know, if I, if I hit massive traffic and I ended up getting stopped for two hours, three hours somewhere in one of these major cities, I knew I was kind of out of being able to pull it off. So for me, it was just, all right. And I ended up mapping out my route a little different so I could avoid uh, New York City and Philadelphia. And that was by far the smartest move I did of the whole trip. 
Oh, hundred percent, dude. Fuck that. So you didn't, you didn't like go in, you didn't hit like the George Washington bridge. You went like more westward. Yeah. So I actually cut all the way into uh, Harrisonburg PA. Yeah. Nobody knows what that is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, uh, I just picked a spot in the middle of PA that would get me below Philadelphia without going through it and then cut back over to catch 95 just right around dc but i knew i was going to do that around like seven eight o'clock at night on a sunday so i figured my chances of traffic were i had a better chance of decent traffic around dc if i did that right right that makes sense man so planning planning the trip out was definitely it but yeah i I, when i first got started i was like let's see how this goes and then it kind of got more pumped you know it it was it started building as you go, you're like, man, I could do it because it, it pretty much becomes gas tanks. It was 13 gas tanks is how I, you know, gas fill up is how I, how I was. Oh, dude, 13 gas tanks. That's fucking. That's awesome. kind of how, how I did it because I'm riding with the peanut tank, uh, 2.5. Name of this episode, by the way, 13 gas tanks. When you hear it in the conversation, I ever there's always a point in the combo where I'm like, that's the name of the show. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, 13 gas tanks. That's how many Phillips I had to get back because it was right at 1,300 miles. And so with that 2.5 gas tank, I can probably, I can run like 120, 130 miles. But if, when you don't know the area, obviously, Mm -hmm. 100 miles is just the number that makes sense to stop. It's a perfect number to stretch if you want to stretch and, uh, you know, keep you going. So and that you're is, able to keep track because you're looking at your GPS, right? Or actually, you have an odometer, don't you? No, I don't have anything on there. Oh, okay. So you're just looking at the GPS for when when you've gone 100. Yeah, yeah. Just just putting in a hunt, looking at it, getting 100. Um, Google Maps actually has a thing where you can turn it on and it will track. I actually I had to Google it before the trip because I was like, there's got to be a way I can like track my route and and pull it back up after I'm done. And you can turn a feature on on Google Maps that like tells you where you went, how long you stopped. It's kind of scary detailed, but I did turn it on for that trip so I could track everything. That's badass, dude. What a cool thing to have. You should print that out and frame it. Yep. Uh, I think eventually I'll send everything into that Iron Butt Association and see if they send me anything back. There's a chance they don't. That's the wild part. I don't know if you so to to get your official iron butt association, they require you to take a picture of every gas receipt, which I did, with the address, the timestamp, and your odometer. And oh, if don't you have can't, that. don't have that. And if you don't have the ability to do the odometer, they have these people that you can look on their website and call up and they'll come witness you. So like I could have called up a witness in Maine and called up a witness in Florida and they'd be like, yep, yep. This is the time he came in. But that, that oh, hassle and yeah, that. You got to schedule that. Yeah. Oh, schedule. I'm like, that's, that's stupid. So I, that's why I elected to do the Google maps in hopes that when I send in, Hey, here's Google saying, this is where I was at. Here's Google saying I stopped here and here's the gas receipt that they'll be like, oh, yeah. And if not, fuck it. I know I did it. So everybody. Well, after this, everybody. Everybody. (laughs) Yeah, man. That's fucking rad, dude. So what was the were there any like difficult parts 
on this trip where you were feeling like, man, I do not know if I could go any further? And if so, when when did you start to feel that way? So you feel, you know, like, like I said, I started building momentum. I was like, yeah, you can do this. You can do this. And you feel good. Like I, I would say several gas stops where I didn't even get off the bike, you know, roll up, fuel, keep going. But probably about mile you know, seven to 800 miles, you go, okay, I got to actually get off the bike. Like this isn't, I, I, I don't, I got to get off the bike for a second. And that's when you got to start really watching what you're doing. Cause your, your mind, I think to me, it was more of a mental game at that point. Um, it's just, and then it really, when it starts getting to you is when it goes dark again. Right. Right. You start to that's, lose the light. You know, because, you know, you start in the morning and sun comes up, you start feeling good, you're warm, you're running, everything's good. The bike's running good. You don't have a problem. And then it gets dark on you. And then you hit DC traffic and then you got people coming into your lane and you're kicking people's doors to get them off you because semis are next to you. And that's when you like wake up and go, fuck, this sucks. <laughs> fuck, dude. That's right. Yeah, I would say. I would say probably it's it's mile 800, 700, somewhere in there. You know, that's when you start going, man, this is, can I do it? And then it's, okay, let's get that thousand miles. You know, you can do a thousand. You got to set the little goals. You know, I can, fuck it, I can get to a thousand miles. And and that that's kind of just how little, like I said, little increments, just little goals along the way. But the the one thing that's real weird is you, you kind of forget you're on a bike after so long. Really? Like, yeah, it's, and I, I was talking, I forget, I think it was um, Shovel Sam. We were talking about it afterwards. And he told me he took, I don't know, it was 10, 12 hour ride. And he said the same thing. He goes, you, you sit on a bike long enough. It's almost like you're, you're just so zoned out. You're forgetting your, what you're not forgetting what you're doing, but you know what I mean? You're just, you're totally into riding. All right. I just got to keep going probably a little dangerous too, but, um, yeah, it's, it's keeping your, keeping your wits together and not zoning out too, too much. And is also key when you're riding that far. I bet, I bet the full face helps for this too, huh? Yes, it does. Um, I never put my shield on. I ride a full face with a snap on shield. So I do keep, I don't, I don't ever put a shield on unless I hit rain, but I would assume it helps a little bit. What do you have? Like a, a gringo? Yes. Yep. Nice. Yeah, I got one of those too. I do like that helmet. Yes, very comfortable. Um, and it allows you to, like I said, I can snap on the shield if I need it. But I typically don't don't have the shield on. Yeah, just throw the glasses on and call it a day. It definitely no. does make a big difference for the wind having the actual shield on. But I don't know. I'm with you. It's nice having the vent. It's nice feeling a little bit of the the air on your face. Right. But dude, so you make it back. So you make it past the 1000 and then you're pushing on. Like when you hit the 1000, you're like, fuck it. I'm just going to send it and just keep going. And what time is it at this point? So it was hour 19. I'm trying to think when that would have been. I'd have to do the math. Uh, Hour 19 from when you left would have been uh, 
you left at 8.20, right? So 8.20 p.m. would have been 12 hours. And then seven hours after that, 8, 9, 10, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2 a.m.-ish. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's kind of when we start getting to the threshold of where it 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 starts sucking. Uh, that's what I would say is that at that point you're like, it's, it's a, it's a toss. Do you want to stop or do you want to keep going? Cause I think if you stop getting back on the bike would be so hard. And then what, what do you do? Where do you stop? Do you go, you know, now you got to look for somewhere. Do you want to get a hotel? Do you want to find a park bench? And I had in my mind, I was like, well, you know, if I'm going along and I'm feeling a little tired maybe i'll hit a rest stop lay down on a park bench but you quickly realize that's you do not want to lay down at this point you have to stay moving completely um because you're just you're getting exhausted and when i hit that thousand i'm like it's only 300 more miles to home so why stop but that last 300 is 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 where it just completely zaps all energy everything out of you you're that was the toughest part. Um, oh, I bet, dude. Like I, like I said, you start, you almost start hallucinating. And because everything's a blur, you're not, you're really not paying attention. And so I'm going along and uh, I think I'm starting to hear things in my bike. You know, you're going, you're like, wait a minute, am, am I hearing that? Because your mind starts, you're like, man, my bike's made it this far and I don't have a single problem. What's wrong? And then as soon as you say that, you instantly start. Oh, well, what's that ticking noise? Well, what, what should I stop? And you're like, wait a minute, dumbass. That ticking noise has always been on your bike. What are you doing? And so you start playing that game with yourself, which is not a fun game to play when you're rolling through South or North Carolina in the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. So too closely. <laughs> yeah. So when we're going to make a stop for fuel and something didn't feel right in my shifting and my clutch. And I was like, that doesn't feel right. Well, I have a, a leak in my primary because I have a stripped out bolt in there and I just hadn't gotten around to fixing it. Nor had I gotten around to checking my primary fluid since I think Davy's place. Okay. Which is a lot of miles, admittedly, but, but still within around the, the amount that you would normally do. Right. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a ton of miles at that point. Um, and so when I stopped to get gas, I do the old twig twig trick to, you know, see how, how much primary oil is in there. And there, there's none. I can't. I, I'm dry. I'm almost or or just, you know, barely the tip bone dry. So I stopped at a, I think it was like a Love's gas station or something. I go in, I'm looking for 20W50, which is what mine is and they don't have anything nothing and i look and this is the only place open for 100 miles in the middle of north carolina fuck dude because it's 2 a.m so what are you gonna do so now you're like well shit so i go behind i go up to the the counter ask the guys like hey man you got 20 because there's nothing on the shelves and but it's a truck stop so they have you know more stuff than your average gas station and Ask the kid behind the counter, you have 20 W50, and he looks at you like anybody at an auto store looks at you, like you're they don't have a fucking clue what you're asking for. So yeah, I'm like, this is <laughs> I was like, this is going nowhere. And so I go back and then they they don't have anything. Well, then they have a um, what was it they had? 
I'm just looking for chain lube or something because I feel at this point I have to come up with something. I can't keep riding. Right. And they had 75W90. And I didn't know anything. I've never used that. I don't know. Have you ever used it before? Uh, in transmissions. So on that bottle of 75W90, it's like gear lube, whatever, you know, stuff like that. So now I'm on Google. I'm sitting here Googling in the, at this gas station at 2 a.m. What alternative <laughs> lube can I use on the bike? Because I, I have to do something. And lo and behold, a bunch of people are like, ah, just throw the 75W90 in there and you'll be good. That's what we did. All right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's when you're, when you're in the middle of nowhere and nothing's open, you're like, well, fuck it. Let's see what happens. So put that in there. She ran fine. I mean, it's, it's going to get flushed out this weekend when I'm home, but um, yeah, that's, you kind of got to get a little bit more creative when you don't have anything around you like that. Yeah, dude, seriously. And I think I like they say 7590 is you know gear lube and it's definitely I've definitely heard of people running thick shit like that in primaries and transmissions. Um so I don't think it I don't think it's terrible for it. No, no, and I don't I you know I when I got back I did a lot more research and I didn't see anything that said it was bad, but it was just way thicker and I had never done it or used it. I hadn't even really looked into it. But it was definitely a panic moment when I go, holy shit, they don't have any oil that I can use. What the fuck am I going to do right now? And, and you got to do that. <laughs> yeah. So that one got me back on the road. And then I got about 30 minutes down the road and all of a sudden bike shuts off. <laughs> oh, no. And I'm like, oh, fuck, it's the same problem. So did my old trick, turn it off, turn it back on, came back on. Well, the problem is every 30 minutes or so, I would have this issue. Dies. Turn it on. So that's how I got home. Uh, for the next four hours or so, I would have to cut it off, cut it back on, <laughs> pull the clutch in and start it while rolling. That was the beauty. You can do it while you without even pulling over on the side of the road. So it would die. So you'd be... For the last bit of your trip, it would die on you. You'd shut it off and then just like bump start itself back to life. Yeah. So it, it would, you know, you lose power, turn your ignition over, off, pull the clutch, turn it back on. You're already rolling at 70 or it's probably 65 by this point. Let off the clutch, boom, you, you fires right back up and keeps rolling. Fuck, dude. But, that's, that's strange. Yeah. But it's, it's always that. What if, when is it going to not start back up? <laughs> but I, the way I look. Something more serious. <laughs> right. But I mean, you look at the, the amount of riding I did and having taken off the, you know, the battery and all right before I left and probably not snugging it down as quick, as thoroughly as maybe I should have. And then making that ride, obviously just riding through deadbeat alone beats the fuck out of your bike. So. Oh yeah, dude. Seriously. As I found out, as my exhaust fell off and my lifter blocks came apart and my heads came <laughs> apart. Yeah. Yeah. So then from there, man, it just, it just, it was, it was a grind. And it, the, the only cool thing was when the sun started coming back up, I was like, fuck yeah, we made it. Never have I been on a bike 
worn sunglasses, clears and sunglasses all in the same ride, but did that. And, um, then the rain hit last two hours, complete storm. And so not only am I fucking just dead exhausted, it was nothing but white wall of water the whole way, two hours back home. Fuck, dude. What a struggle of a final two hours, huh? <laughs> it's tough, but you you know, at that point, you're just telling yourself, fucking ride. You, know, you cannot stop for anything. You know, just ride. And that's, that's what it is. Fuck, man. That is super cool, though. A hundred, a hundred, 1,300 miles in a day. Yeah. That might be so the I ended up, I've never seen anybody go. I ended up pulling in about 9.30. Damn, so 9.30 the next morning, so over 24 hours. Yeah, yeah it was right around 25 hours. Wow. So what did you do when you got back, dude? Well, I got off the bike. <laughs> and I just stood there like, holy shit, I'm home. And it's funny, my roommates were walking out, and apparently I looked really rough because they were like, dude, you look like shit. And I was like, I feel like shit. So I just managed to shower and straight to bed. I mean, that was shower straight to bed only to have the lawn people next door start up in two hours. So, yeah. Oh, those motherfuckers. <laughs> They're fucking doing their job in the middle of the day. How dare they? <laughs> right? Worse than the so, Rev yeah. guy. <laughs> Worse than the Rev Limiter. But it was... I slept for a few hours and woke back up because I'm not used to sleeping during the middle of the day. I, even though I was exhausted, I think my body and it was the adrenaline. You know, I think that it was a massive adrenaline dump at the end still. But it was it was, I would say, five or six in the afternoon before I could get that wind noise out of my ears. Um, I that that was there for a while, and then I want to say Thursday or Friday before I finally felt like I had all my energy back. I quickly realized I'm not 20 anymore <laughs> and I'm not old, but damn it, man, <laughs> that kicked my ass. How old are you? 34. Yeah, dude, doing that at 34 is fucking rad though. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and I don't, I say I wouldn't, I would do the iron butt again, but I wouldn't do the 1300 miles. Like I would play, I, if someone was like, Hey, let's try an iron butt. I would do it again, but I would definitely plan a full stop in a nice hotel somewhere and, and then with the next day to get up and ride whenever I wanted to. But I wouldn't do I wouldn't push that that extra the 300 extra miles, which you know ended up being six more hours. That's kind of what pushes the body over the limit, I think. Oh, 100 percent, dude. I could definitely see that being the the killer. Yep. Yeah, that was hours is like some what some people do as a whole fucking trip, you know, and you're just doing that on top of the iron butt. That's a fucking serious ask. Yeah, I've I've done four or five, six hundred mile trips in a day this year. So I I was kind of knew I could I could go a good distance, but um, I didn't, you know, I pulled this one off. But it's funny, I was sitting there thinking about it on the ride and when I was a kid, my dad used to ride down to my grandfather in South Florida and where I grew up, up in Pensacola area. It's a 10 hour ride to my grandfather's house. And I used to ride on the back of my dad's bike and do 10 hours straight. So I guess I come by it naturally. 
Yeah, jeez. Fucking wild though, dude. What a what a journey and what a thing to remember forever. Oh, for sure. For sure. Now I got to figure out how I'm going to do it next year. I, I'm going to break it up, though. I definitely not put, pushing it back like that again. Yeah. <laughs> put that thing to the fucking test. <clears throat> that, that sporty dude really got fucking run ragged, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's almost 10,000 miles this year on it. So it's, I've definitely been all over the place with it. That's fucking cool, though, dude. So you'll be back for next year's deadbeat? That that is the plan. I'd like to go west somewhere as well, but I uh, definitely backroad barbecue is one of my top ones. It's 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 within eight hours, and that's a really fun. A lot more, not quite at the the level, obviously, of deadbeat, but it's it's different. It's you've been there, so you know it's not the same thing. <clears throat> but um, yeah, backroad and deadbeat are for sure the two two East Coast events I would not want to miss. Yeah, dude. Definitely Backroad Barbecue Run was a blast. Uh, we didn't get down there for this past one, but the one before that, dude, we had a killer time at that. And I would love to get back down there for that one again. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a it's definitely a cool meeting point for people a little farther south. But the, the cool thing about Deadbeat is, you know, all those people, well, I wouldn't say all, but a lot of the people you know on like Instagram that you become friends with over time and bullshit, a lot of them are there. And that, that was kind of the cool thing is to finally like really pull together a lot of people you don't see or may never, may not get to see any other time other than deadbeat. Right. Exactly. You're going to have to do some kind of uh photo collage thing with all the, all the, did you take a, a picture at every state sign? No, 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 I didn't. I've, oh, okay. Just Florida and Maine. Yeah, yeah, I just I only one I've done was the one I was in Key West, and then obviously the main one just so I had the full East Coast, top to bottom. That's fucking rad, dude. I love it. Yeah. Well, I'm sure yeah, we're seeing you up this way again, or meeting you somewhere down halfway in the middle. Are you going to uh, Glory Days? No, no, I will not be making that. One. That's probably probably one of my last trips for this year i don't think i'm going to be doing any other anything that that far for me yeah i don't blame just, you just, i'd be taking the just with, off at that point <laughs> no nah, i won't i won't do that just with a vacation time and all i've, I've spent a lot of it this year so haven't i don't have as much time off left for the rest of the year and then uh, but i i write a lot so probably more stuff down here in the southeast that's awesome, dude. Well, it's fucking, I appreciate you coming on to tell the story of it. And we definitely hope to be catching up with you. If not just at the next deadbeat, then uh, sometime in between, man. Hell yeah, man. It was, it was a blast. Thanks. It was great time. Great meeting you. And, you know, if you've never been to deadbeat guys, fucking go. Seriously. And, yeah. And it was a pleasure having you, man. It was, it was cool to actually get to, to kick it with you before the event started and actually meet you there and then go and party with you at deadbeat for sure and i have a little favorite hashtag of mine ride it don't drive it <laughs> all right guys we are back big shout out again to eric for telling his deadbeat 
trip story, the wild trip back story. Super cool to get it firsthand, and what a fucking wild ride. But before we close this one out, we got to thank some of the people who make this show possible. First up, we got Deadbeat Customs, the ones who put on the Deadbeat Retreat that we all had a fucking blast at. Follow them on Instagram at Deadbeat Customs and online. Fucking check out their store, deadbeatcustoms.com. Use code LOWLIFE at checkout, and that'll save you a couple bucks. Next up, we got Hypnic Jerk out there in Sydney, Australia, making some of the dopest. Headlights, taillights, indicator lights, jockey shifters, points, covers, and more. Check him out on Instagram at hypnicjerkcustoms or at hypnicjerkcustoms.com. Next, we got the homie John Luke at Stay Strongco, a.k.a. the hand suspension adjuster himself. Dude was killing it out on the road, and he's killing it in the hot sauce game, too. So if you want to grab yourself a jar, go to Stay Strongco LLC on Instagram. Tell him you heard about him on the Low Life Chopper podcast and get you some of the finest hot sauce on the planet. Next, we got the homie Josh at Steel City Blacksmithing. Absolutely killing the game, doing a full build for a customer right now. Super cool to see what he's progressing on toward. Always coming with new shit, and I love what he's working on. So make sure you follow his page, Steel City Blacksmithing. And if you need something smithed up, give the man a call. Next up, we got Ray's Hell Motorcycle Co. out there in upstate New York doing custom work, full builds, full merch line, and a whole lot more. Follow Ben Daly at Ray's Hell Motorcycle Co. on Instagram or his personal page to keep in touch with that long dong shovel build he's working on at Ray's Hell Daily. And then last but not least, we got the homie Dan Bliss at No Luck Paintworks killing the paint game out there in Manchester, New Hampshire. If you need something painted season is winding down at least for us guys here in the northeast now would be a great time to get that thing dropped off so he's got all the time in the world to crush that paint job hit him up on instagram at no luck paintworks all right guys that is what we've got for you this week to close this one out i will say from the beaches of florida to the coast of maine freedom only costs about 13 tanks Fire!